Hey, hey, the summer of giveaways continues here in Nerdcognito Nation. That's right. Our first round has completed. Congratulations to all of the winners. Uh, I, I just was blown away again by the generosity of the creators that helped us out. But we are not done yet because there is more to come. What do I mean more? Well... I mean, this week, The Red Room, our dear friends at The Red Room, have put up the second edition of Wretched Bastards and Sylvia's Problematic, if you want to call it that, The Temple of Flesh by none other than Sylvia herself. So, yeah, good stuff, Bert. We got some Wretched coming up, but we're not done yet. Giant Slayer Games is also putting up their miniatures this cycle. So what everybody needs to do is go to at NerdCognito on Twitter, find the promotional posts, and do the things. Do the things to the promotional posts. The entries are going to close the 14th of June. The winner will be drawn the 15th of June. And then there's another round of giveaways to go. So actual physical miniatures delivered to your door from Giant Slayer Games. And of course, some wretched goodness courtesy of the Red Room. What's not to like? It's free. Go do the things. Follow Nerd Cognito. Subscribe to us at the podcast. Do the things. And you're eligible to win. Now, on with the show. Nerd Cognito. Hey, 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 another week is here and another episode of Nerd Cognito is coming at you. My name is Ryan David. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm joined as always by my good friend Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going this week? Oh, good. You know, we got a little extended weekend to, to kick off the week. We're wrapping up our first of the summer of Nerd Cognito giveaways. I'm still blown away just by the the amount of folks that stepped up and said, yeah, we want to help you guys get to that big 1K mark. Uh, oh, yeah. that's And it's crazy. I mean, the uh, some of the prizes are, you know, pretty impressive, you know. It, uh, yeah. You know, and, the ones the we still have stuff coming in, right? Like there's still people saying, "Hey, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that you're still taking stuff. Uh, sign us up, put, give this away." So, the summer of Nerd Cognito giveaways is well underway. Um, I kind of want the miniatures, but yeah, I know this week's prizes. I'm like, I, I kind of want, you know, myself. You know, the, uh, <laughs> it's you good know. stuff. Uh, but you know, I know that we can always pick up a a copy and support them right that's what that's what's most important because they're supporting us so uh right right i'll I'll have to buy my own copy of wretched (laughs) bastards (laughs) oh boy it's a great system why not um how was your week in gaming this this week my friend oh it was uh it was pretty busy i had an online fake game on thursday i played um, at the Nerd Cognito table on Friday and Saturday, we played a brand new game, Stealing Stories from the Devil. Ah, you know, I've always been a mark for Monty Cook and just about everything that he's done. Stealing Stories looks so interesting. Um, I don't want to focus the episode on it, but give me like the two minute, how'd it go? I thought it was great. I mean, the game has a ton of lore and a lot of like... It's, it's got a really well-built world in it, but the 
rules are like very simple. It plays, it's a more dynamic gaming style. You have, you know, a few skills that you use, but I think it went great. We were talking about turning it into like a 12 session mini campaign. Cause there's a mini campaign with the system that you get. Um, and so we're thinking about running that just as kind of a palate cleanser while we figure out who's going to run the next big thing. Right. And it's sit down and play. It's no prep, which I, right. you know, for, for the situation that that group is in, it's, it's a really good thing. So, okay. Um, should we get a copy for our table too? Um, I think that it would go over great at our table because you can, you, I think you could play it with a small group. It would be fairly easy to do, but it scales up well as well. We right. had so if we have one of those nights the where there's eight, six, eight people, then we're good. And if we have a night where there's three or four, we're also still good. So exactly. Yeah. Very, very cool stuff. Um, this week, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about game design and specifically, it's a conversation that we've had a couple of times or that I've had a couple of times with other folks out there in the hobby, right? And okay. when we were coming up, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, your pinnacle character didn't really hit its stride and get that cool shit until it was substantially leveled, right? Right. I can remember, you know scrambling to survive from levels like one to five and then you started to see some interesting stuff but 10 plus was really where it got cool right right and there's the other side of the coin which is kind of where dnd is now where it's all loaded up front so uh, you get that taste right away because well we're going to talk about why the because is and we're going to talk about the good points and bad points of both. So my question is, do you like, you know, game systems are like fine ladies. Do you want them stacked up front or in the behind? So we're going to see where our stacking preferences lie as far as those tabletop games. I've got some news, Bert. And then on of course. the back side, <laughs> it's going to be all night now, man. <laughs> on the back side of the news, uh, We've got two things. You know, the the Nano episode was a big hit. Uh, lots of people chiming in with their opinion on some horror stuff, uh, which I thought was great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, every horror fan can have that discussion. And you get 10 horror fans in a room, you'll get 10 different top 10 movies. Absolutely. But to, to dovetail off of that, we're going to talk about the best and the worst of one of those directors that I think we both are huge fans of, and that's John Carpenter on the flip side of the news. Oh, I think I've seen every one of his movies. (laughs) Plus, you had something that we were going to talk about, too. Absolutely. I mean, Memorial Day was this past week, and, you know, while we, uh, you know, while we appreciate, you know, the men and women who serve, we, we also are nerds, and we see a lot of fictional military out there in games in movies in books comic books i thought we would talk about which fictional military unit you would want to belong to and which one you would never want to be in. oh man (laughs) well lots of good stuff to talk about um i don't know i am decidedly not cut from the military jib so that's going to be a really hard pick for me because, um, <laughs> God, I have 
oodles and oodles and oodles of respect for almost all of the military. Um, oh, absolutely. That have ever but, served. You know, it, it, there's always the stories of the bad apples, and those come out around Memorial Day. And I want to celebrate the hundreds and thousands and millions of good apples as opposed to, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they're going to put their life on the line. I don't want right. to focus on one guy in community college that just can't get it right. So Exactly. Anybody who's willing to stand up and, you know, defend us deserves our respect, you know, and a few bad apples shouldn't, you know, turn you sour you on that group as a whole. So I guess it's kind of our salute to those who have served because they did what I never could. And, um, I, I, like I said, immense respect, my friends. Well, let's jump right into this game design thing. It's such, such an interesting topic, Bert, because right. We're in the generation that has seen both extremes, right? We sure. saw the cusp coming out of Dungeons & Dragons into AD&D, where it was a grueling but fun grind to get to the point where you had something, right? Right. I mean, you, your character started with an innate fear of death. <laughs> right. And then we saw sort of the transitional period coming out of that 3-5 era into 4th edition where things started to get more front-loaded, right? Everybody had stuff to do. Everybody was casting or doing fanciful feats and, and that sort of thing. And now it's the exact extreme opposite of where we were when we started, where... All the cool shit is right up front so that uh, your Hadoozy barista can enjoy her 15-minute break as she walks around Target. So, uh, man, what what a dynamic swing we've seen. Um, which one do you like better? Do you like having it all on the front end and then just building from there? Or do you like having those long-range goals? Hmm. You know, I'm kind of torn because I've played in both systems, and I play in both types of systems regularly. And they both have sort of their benefits and drawbacks. You know, with the, um, you know, with starting with nothing and working your way up, you get that set of, sense of accomplishment as you achieve really cool things. But you can't do anything really cool for sort of a, an extended period of time until you get there. Right. You know, the, uh, the other way you have cool stuff to do up front. Um, but you know, once you choose that cool stuff, you're kind of locked into a progression from there. Like you may get slight increases and things like that, but you can't really change your character on the fly. Like when, like you could, you know, leveling up in a in a building system. Right. And or not easily, right? Right, not easily. And it, it's almost as if some of the really, really front loaded systems, if you pick the right combination of two or three spells, you're locked into a character build. It's like a video game. It's not a video game, people. <laughs> yeah, I, I I understand where it's coming from. And again, you know, we're not saying anything that hasn't been said before, but the average campaign length now is what six sessions, and that's insane to me. I've played in I've played in campaigns that took two years of, you know, biweekly meetings to accomplish. Well, you know why, right? No, no attention span, 
And six sessions seems about right if you can blast all your cool shit off at level three. <laughs> six sessions, I mean, what the hell? There's there's nothing more to, to work for. Whereas, like you said, we've played campaigns for years. Years. I mean, I distinctly remember what I consider to be the best campaign that I have ever run. And it was a three-year journey. So, yeah, mine, my best one ran from level one to level 25. There you I go. just got the Epic Player's Handbook at the time. <laughs> oh, but that book was a pile of shit in some places, too. Bert. It was. It was a problem in some spots. Uh, but regardless, I'm in an interesting situation where if I have to pick, I'm, I, I really can't because... If I say, well, I like the the progression towards a goal, and then someone reads a progression preview of Auras, they're going to say, but wait, you have stuff front-loaded in Auras. And I think Auras is a good example of the representation that is my philosophy. I do have cool shit front-loaded in Auras. No doubt about it, 100% honesty, Here's my bullshit served up front on a plate. Have a nice big smell of it because I'm not trying to fool anybody. The difference is, and you and I talked a little bit about this, in auras and akin to my philosophy, yeah, there is cool shit, but that cool shit adapts, grows, and morphs with your character. Right? Right. So you have more versatility. Like you start... You start you start with something to do, but you can do a lot more if you stick with it. Right. And there are different branches that that cool shit can branch off into. So I very much am embracing this hybrid philosophy where, yeah, there is a long game in place. You have a clear destiny and finish line that you want to get to. But there's lots of stuff that gets you up to it. And I think I like that in systems, too. And you don't see enough of that, right? Um, I, I'm going to give a very watered-down example, but there's a reason why it is probably the most popular spell for Wizards and Dungeons and & Dragons. What spell am I talking about? Um, oh, I can think of a couple right off the bat that come first to level, mind. First level spell. Magic Missile. Absolutely. And it, and it is valid all the way through level 20. Why? Because on the most fundamental level, even though it's very basic, you're adding what? You're adding dice. It's growing right. with your character. Exactly. And I think that for progression, things, if they are front-loaded, need to grow with your character and not just be there. Whereas things that are loaded on the backside... <laughs> I'm such a fifth grader. <laughs> oh, Ryan. Ryan uh, stop giggling and, and, and get to your point. <laughs> things that are loaded on the backside have to be something worth waiting for. There's a reason you don't cast Wish at fourth level. So, um, it's very... I, I'm going to get emails and I'm going to get DMs and I'm going to get, you know... Maybe even someone will call in, although everybody that calls in says, I'm not giving you my name because I don't want you to use it on the air. 
Um, grow a set, people. Uh, but I'm going to get feedback on this saying that I'm very much riding the fence. And I don't think that I am. I think that that's legitimately where I where I sit. I, I enjoy that post between the cheeks when it comes to this particular topic because it's like a buffet. A little bit of both is the best solution. Yeah, I mean, the Depending on your play style, I mean, considering that I'm in a, a variety of different gaming groups, you know, one of my groups prefers long-term play. So whenever we start a new campaign, we're looking for a building system because whoever's running it is planning it out through level like 20. We're looking at a couple of years of commitment. Sure. So for that, we like a building system. Right now, you know, with a group, one of the groups I have is in flux and transition, we look at a lot of systems that we can use for short palate cleansers until somebody comes up with something that they really want to do long term. So we're looking at a lot of systems that are front loaded or balanced because we're only going to play them for, you know, a one shot or, you know, six sessions or until somebody comes up with something that they want to do long term. So I can see the merits of both. So I kind of like front loaded and back loaded. But the systems that are balanced can kind of can kind of be versatile if you're looking at something mid-range. Like for for six sessions, yeah, something in the mid-range is fine. For a hundred sessions, something in the mid-range is going to, I think, get a little stale. No, I I absolutely agree. And oh, I did it again. I pushed the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, you know, work in a fancy way to say news because we've really hit everything that that I think is is worth talking about on this topic. We've put it out there where we stand. We put it out there why we stand. I was going to be all clever and news and then the music would kick in, but I hit the sparkle troll button. God damn it. You said news anyway, Ryan. I did. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid fingers. Uh, man. We got some news this week, though, Bert. We, we, we legitimately do. Um, okay, what's in the news this week, Ryan? Well, I'm going to... You know, I love my uh, game shows, right? Absolutely. Let's play Password. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right. <clears throat> the password is... Sandwich. Submarine. Sandwich. Oh, holy shit! <laughs> ding, 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 Bert! <laughs> really? I've a few subs in my day. You got it on the first one? I was going to go submarine, grinder, hoagie. Right. Jesus! Uh, did you know that there is a meat rule for the Italian hoagie, i.e. the Italian cold cut sandwich? I did not. What's the meat rule? This is news. This is national news, let me tell you. And people on Twitter are, like, lining up and retweeting. Oh, yeah, well, that, of course. That's what it is. And I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm like... 
we are living amongst idiots. Yeah, I mean, I know what goes in an Italian sub, but, uh, you know, I never thought there was a rule about it. The key to the best Italian sandwiches, mind you, this is all over Twitter. Okay. Is thinly sliced deli meat. (laughs) No, you don't say. Really? People are losing their minds like this is, I don't know, something written on a scroll in the Lost Ark of the Covenant. It's unreal. You know, I mean, they, they ate Tide Pods, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I've eaten my share of Italian subs, and yeah, I mean, you want a pile of nice, thinly sliced deli meat, but I wasn't going to, you know, you know, that's not the golden sandwich rule. <laughs> my heart skipped a beat because you said, I've eaten my share of, right after I said Tide Pods. <laughs> no, no Tide Pods here. No, nope. Oh, not even close. <laughs> getting thin, fresh sliced meats isn't just for texture. It affects the flavor, too. The mixture of two or three different meats in an Italian sandwich is like alchemy. <laughs> really? I, I, really? I, I mean, shitting you not. <laughs> I, I mean, I've had some pretty high quality deli meats, but I wouldn't say any of them came close to turning lead to gold. Also, make sure that you get your deli meat freshly sliced at the deli. Don't buy prepackaged stuff if you want the most optimal taste. According to the Cleveland Clinic. Okay, I'm I'm confused. Like, did somebody like go, uh, what is the most obvious thing I can say about a sandwich? And here it is. Oh, uh, well. There you go. I was I was excited. I was like, okay, maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe you know, you know the place that I'm talking about. It is a very big tradition in our city. Okay. Um, I'm like maybe maybe this is their secret because I've done all of the things that they do with the exact same ingredients and it still doesn't taste the same. I was like maybe this is it. And all these people that are losing their minds and saying you have to read this. No, get thin, fresh sliced meat. Yeah, I mean, I, I was gonna say maybe it's the. I was gonna say maybe it's the bread because, you know, I make my own sub rolls, and I'll tell you what, it does make a difference the bread you bu- use. <sighs> but this is just like, I mean, this is sandwich one hundred and one. Uh, this is just stupid, is what this is. Everybody knows these things. All right, uh, what is since I don't want to waste any more time on this drivel of an article. Uh, what is your salam of choice, if you had to pick one? Uh, probably you. You're talking about brand or uh, no, 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 just type. style. Yeah, type. style. Genoa is always good. Genoa is probably my number one. Um, I like hot soppressata as well, but you can only mm. have so much of that, and then. You're like, mmm, I love the cured balls in my mouth taste, but I can only eat three slices of it. Right. I mean, it's kind of strong. And I mean, I, the, I've i always been a hard salami fan, but, you know, you kind of grow from there. Hard salami is kind of your basic. Hard salami is a good go-to deli meat if you're at 7-Eleven in Cleveland at like <laughs> three in the morning and you need a sandwich. It's, it's, it's a, safe. It's a safe bet. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, well, let's let's see if the second story that has to do with food redeems itself. It's not going to because well, it's 
I don't know. It's no loss for me, but we're going to mourn the loss of another food. Just before the summer, Dairy Queen is discontinuing its cherry-dipped cone. Really? The, I mean, that's been a classic since I was a kid. It's not my favorite, but it's always been there. Right. The fire engine red cherry shell will be no more. And uh, they're going to kill it right before summer. And apparently some people are, are really broken up about this. Now, like I said, no big deal for me. I was never a yeah. cherry dip guy. But I know people that were, and they're very loyal to it. Yeah, if I was going to get a dip, I always went with the chocolate dip. No, well, yeah, I, I was at Dairy Queen. I was never really getting a cone, anyhow. Right back in the day, I was getting a Sunday, and then the blizzards came out in the what was it mid '80s when they started yeah, blizzards some, somewhere around there. I, I, I remember when they were brand new. Um, maybe I'm a moron and they're older than I thought. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. The Dairy Queen Blizzard, boy, I was right on the money, 1985. Yep, I was going to say, I remember when they, when they were brand new and we tried them. I was always a peanut butter parfait guy most of the time, but, you know, when I did things like, you know, team sports and Little League and stuff like that, when we went to Dairy Queen, everybody got a cone. That, right. that was the rule. Yeah, see, I my dad was a peanut butter parfait guy. I, I never was. So the Blizzard, when it came out, was really like, uh, something new and novel, and I was instantly hooked, right? Because other than that, I was just getting like a hot fudge sundae, maybe a banana split, but I don't like bananas. But it was the Sunday, <laughs> but it was the Sunday that gave you the most ice cream, so I would order it and not eat the banana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's funny. Yeah, I remember the the banana split was their largest Sunday for a while. Yeah. Well, I guess you know everybody has their jam, and if the the bright red cherry dip cone was yours. Well, then you have our condolences. Um, you know, <clears throat> at the day job, at the office. Right. Because we're all a bunch of fat pigs and nerds. <laughs> 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 we probably get Dairy Queen once or twice a week. And at least for me, a large blizzard is my lunch. <laughs> Man, you're lucky. I uh, I am nowhere near Dairy Queen when I'm in the office. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I've been teaching my nephew to fish. The first time I took him out fishing, I, dis I got judged where we were going by its proximity to Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Godspeed, Cherry Cone. Um you can uh, say hi to the Choco Taco when you go to Ice Cream Heaven. <sighs> let's let's kick it back to games for a little bit. Fair enough. Hey, We've talked enough about our stomachs for a while. That's right. Hey, Bert, did you know that you can play in a and d game, the D&D &D movie? Uh, no. Nor uh, would you want to, but... The D&D &D movie directors trying to throw a Hail Mary on the lukewarm reception that was the Dungeons & Dragons movie, Don't Pay For It, Not Another Gold Piece, are now dropping hints that you can play the movie at your table, or more importantly, on your virtual tabletop, because Wizards doesn't mm. want you to play at a table anymore. 
Okay. I, uh, you know, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't judge what that would be like to play. That's because you were wise and you did not give Blizzard blizzards. <laughs> oh, man. It's on you my still got ice cream on the brain. It yeah. Is. Blizzards, wizard. Well, you know, I replace something really good with something really terrible. Uh, you've got wizards on the brain. So, um, I don't know. It's. It, 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 do you really want to do that? Do you want to sit down at the table? Presumably with a plot and script and events that everybody at the table knows or can look up and uh, just run your group through them? I mean, if I was going to do something like that, there are a lot of other, you know, open uh, open systems that I could do that with that uh, would be a lot more fun. Just don't. Blade Runner or Doom. <laughs> right. Just don't do it, right? No. Just no, don't. I, just I, don't do it. I mean, I could, I'm shitting on it because it's D&D and Wizards and the D&D movie. But in general, you, you just don't do it. Even we, we talked about playing Alien, right? Right. We did. And are we going to run through the script of Aliens if we sit down at the table and play that game? Absolutely no. You want not. something original. Yes. You want something... You, you don't want every player to see every twist that's coming. Part of the fun is discovery, right? Oh. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Oh, but don't worry. All of the characters in the movies are flawed, with the exception of the paladin. What? All the... Okay. I was talking on Twitter in our group. In our, in our corner of the hobby. Okay. And um, someone was back and forth about flaws and this and that and strong points and weak points. And Pundit was really giving him the business in his super intelligent, respectable way. Uh, it's one of the reasons I love Pundit, right? Uh, and I chimed in briefly because I, I'm not there to step on anyone's toes. But I said, the best part of your character are the flaws right and uh, i mean some and some flaws are built in you know i mean if you're a you know straight fighter you're never going to be able to sling a spell and that's a you know that flaw is built in but there's got to be more than you know more than that to sort of bring the character to life i agree i agree but you know you can do it now sparkle trolls have at it play the dungeons and dragons movie that you guys didn't go and see either. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could never, I would never want to play a reenactment of a film. Play in that universe, sure. Play with those characters, maybe even. Not, not this particular universe or these particular characters, but I could see myself being interested in playing as you know Decker from Blade Runner or. You know, uh, you know, Dunny from Dune, like that would be interesting to, but that would be new adventures for those characters. We wouldn't be recreating something that's already established. See, I disagree. I was on board with you. I agree. Play in the universe. Fine. Could you even brush shoulders with, as an NPC, some of those characters? Sure. But playing as them, I just, I don't, uh. I don't necessarily subscribe to that being what we need to do. So, last yeah, news I mean, story. 
Okay, what's the last news story? Last news story. You know my love of Ghostbusters as well. Right, absolutely. I'm a fan myself, not a not as an insane fan as you, but hey. Cash grab or collectible? That's the question that I'm asking you. Okay, hit me. Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. the tarot deck. Hmm. Illustrations by Ben Turner, and uh, it's a 128-page guidebook that includes additional art by Dur- Turner, plus the 78-card deck featuring original artwork that crosses all of the characters from the actual Ghostbusters to, you know, Vince Clortho, Terror Dogs, Stay Puffed, you know the drill. Hmm. Now, cash grab or collectible? Looking at it myself, you know, considering the, uh, the genre and everything, I would have to call that a collectible. I'm surprised someone hasn't done something like that before. I mean, Ghostbusters was sort of, uh, you know, set up to be comedic, but to embrace that sort of supernatural otherworldly element uh and the tarot deck seems like it's a a perfect fit for that well you could pre-order it now on the big bad amazon for 27.99 plus a 10 percent pre-order discount i don't think it's out of line for being what it is at the price point that it is right Uh, i've officially reached out to our friend raven wolfgar as you know raven OSR personality supreme. I was on his show Saturday morning. Um, What's up, Raven? And Raven legitimately, as the the fucking heathen that he is, and I say that with love because he's smiling when he hears me say that, um, (laughs) legitimately does tarot readings and has a masterful collection of tarot decks. So I've reached out to him uh, literally just before we went on the air. Uh, He obviously hasn't answered back yet. And I I asked him the same question. Is this a cash grab or is this a collectible? So I'm going to be curious to see what he says. And I will give the little Iggy to the the ladies running the NerdCognito Twitter account when he responds. And I'll have them retweeted out so that everybody can see. But now, I mean, you said it's not out of line, but you haven't committed one way or the other. Do you call this a collectible or a cash grab? I honestly don't know because I am admittedly biased because of the the Ghostbusters stuff, right? I mean, as a kid, you know, Ghostbusters stuff was everywhere. Lunchboxes, toys, you know films posters everything that you can even imagine uh and now there's you know video games and you know things like that you know why wouldn't this be you know one more example of you know merchandising right 25 bucks tarot deck there's here's the thing because this sounds like an insta buy for me right sure it's a Ghostbusters collectible. It's inexpensive. It's, you know, it's available. It's readily available. Uh, seems like a you buy it, snap it up in a heartbeat. I don't know about this one. There's not enough information out. All they have is the cover artwork. I haven't seen any of the cards. I haven't seen any of this book. 
Um, the dimensions of the packaging literally indicate that it's just a deck of cards. It's a four by two by six box. So well, it's Ryan only like set and finish cards. So I I am a big prick when it comes to linen finish on the cards. Oh, I'm You're, sorry, linen finish. Uh, right, linen finish, linen finish. Um, it makes a difference. And if you're paying 25 bucks for a set of cards, especially, I don't want to say naughty real tarot deck, but it's not a real tarot deck, right? It's Ghostbusters. Um, I'm on the fence. The title will release October 31st. I suppose I could put a link to it in the show notes. If you are like me, you'll probably end up pre-ordering it sooner or later. You might as well do it with our link so we get a couple of pennies out of it. Um, but yeah, I, I do not know. I do not know. I do know where these stairs go. They go up. (laughs) That's the news. So yeah, I, I don't know, Bert, I'm going to buy it or not. It's, it's coin flip right now. Kind of a weird news week. It's kind of a weird week in general, right? People are angry and picking fights on the internet. Uh, we talked about the faux SR folks, right? Sure. Um, they're they're still going like with all sorts of I haven't been laid in five years rage, and I don't understand why. Um, I was privileged enough to join uh, our dear friend Double D uh, Dungeons and Diversity uh, for the lair this past week. Did you know that one of those motherfuckers <laughs> actually? Paid Double D five bucks for a super chat to blast me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I mean, you know, that's uh, it's amazing what the lengths that people will go through to, to rant at somebody. I mean, if you don't like something, fine. If you, you know, if you want to tell people you don't like something, fine. If you want to pay double D five, right. If you want to pay double D five bucks to rage against me, go right ahead. Double D is a friend of the show. (laughs) I I, I wish him the best. He's highly successful in his platform, just as we are in ours with audio. He is with his in video. I mean, do it, man. Have, have that. No, but, that, that's just a microcosm of what's going on. Everybody's angry. And I was really letting it get to me, right? Um, if you watched uh, The Weekend Geek this last week, I was all out of sorts just because everybody was a fucking tool bag. And I was over Wait, it. And, and I mean, and, and I mean, there was, you know, you've had a few rants on the show about the FOSR folks as well. Yeah. Like, it's, you yeah, know, like, it's... This uh, has been building. This, this is something that I've been noticing specifically for about six weeks and it's just it just keeps coming and coming and coming one uh, of of what i consider my dear friends and creators i i i almost wanted to 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 launch on them i'd take a step back i said my piece and 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 moved on with it but yeah everybody right uh i'll tell you who it was okay Uh, sorry folks you're gonna hear the cuckoo on this one I was ready to, like, reach through the interwebs and choke the shit out of Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... Cooler heads have prevailed, and, you know, I said my piece, 
and then that's that. And I, you know, have no ill feelings whatsoever. But no, it's it's very weird what's going on right now. Yeah, when did life become like one step away from a rage virus horror film, you know? I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of horror films, we got some John Carpenter movies to look at. And they're not all horror, right? John Carpenter did more right. than just horror. He did. Um, but we're going to blast through this list. And then we're going to talk about what stands out to us. Um, okay. <laughs> what is this, a uh, top ten? Well, it's it's every John Carpenter film, so there's 18 okay. of them on the list, and obviously okay. I'm going to just sort of gloss through and speed read the middle, but what do you think's at the bottom? Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, he's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the bottom? At the bottom, uh, what the, is the, the one worst? That I hear most, the one that I hear most people rant against is They Live. Not the worst John Carpenter movie. By the way, these are according to Rotten Tomatoes scores. Uh, the, ah. bottom, the bottom of the list, and I wholeheartedly agree, is Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> oh, that I forgot. I almost forgot that was a John Carpenter <laughs> film. I did see it. It was a John Carpenter film. Uh, yeah, it was a, that one was a little off. And the bottom of the list, rightly so, uh, continues with some stinkers, with one exception. And I'll read through till we get to the middle ground, and you tell me which one you think I think is out of place here. Okay. Uh, from bottom to top, we already talked about Ghosts of Mars. We have Village of the Damned, The Ward, Vampires, Escape from L.A. Ooh, okay. So for you, I would say it's Escape from L.A. No. Escape from no? L.A. was a pile of dog shit. Village of the Damned. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's next to the bottom, uh, and I think that it's not great, but it, but it's by far, it, you know, it's definitely above Escape from L.A. Um, the Ward. It's an interesting remake for sure. The Ward wasn't horrible. Yeah, I I I, I didn't really care for that one too much, but it wasn't. I mean, none of his t movies, even when they're bad, they're so bad. They're, you know, they're, they're fun to make fun of, or they have quotable lines. Like there's all kinds of things that come into the play there. Right. Let's keep, let's keep going right through the middle. Okay. Okay. So this is, uh, 13 through number nine. Okay. Um, in the mouth of madness. No, much, should be much higher. Prince of darkness, body mm. bags, Christine okay. and the wow. Fog. Wow, Christine and the Fog were like, you know, two major movies that I remember, like as far as horror film goes from Car from Carpenter. Like, right? I would expect those to be ranked much higher. In the Mouth of Madness is my personal favorite Carpenter movie, just because it has that uh, cosmic horror element to it. Sure, but I still think it should be much higher than what it's ranked. I agree. This is a weird middle group for me as well. Body yeah. bags. I could give or take, um, the fog. I did recently rewatch it with it. And when I say recently within the last year, I rewatched okay. the fog did not hold up. Okay. Uh, so I, I will, I will give a pass on the fog. Christine. No way. Prince of darkness. No way. Mouth of madness. Sorry. They deserve better treatment, for sure. Right. I mean, I remember the first time I saw Christine, like, 
it was it scared the hell out of me. I thought it was great the way that it was put together. Next, we'll take you all the way up to, and we'll leave just the top three hanging out there. Okay. All right. Uh, So this is number eight through number four in order. Dark Star, Big Trouble in Little China, The Thing, Starman, and They Live. So They Live is number four on their list, by the way. Wow. Okay. That's... Uh, I guess uh, people remember it a lot more fondly than I thought. For, uh, <laughs> it was basically a B movie, you know. And, and, and the thing is above Big Trouble in Little China, which, from a film perspective, I think Big Trouble in Little China, even though to- two totally different genres, right? One is right. Uh, fantasy comedy slash a little bit of kung fu movie. Uh, the other one is absolute sci-fi horror. But when you look at it as a film, especially since they're both Kurt Russell, they're very comparable. Right. Absolutely. They are. Uh, I think Big Trouble is the better film. And we talked about the thing last week, how the the premise and the story of the thing is exceptional. The dialogue, not so much. Right. And I think, I think you're right. I think Big Trouble had snappier dialogue. I think it had sort of, um, you know, more more development to the characters than The Thing did. You know, I mean, yeah, The Thing had that, you know, body horror element, but it, I don't think, I think overall, you know, if I was going to sit down with my wife and watch one of them, she'd pick Big Trouble in North <laughs> right. China over The Thing any day of the week. And then there's Dark Star, which is kind of like the dark horse, no pun intended, right. just because, you know, how many parodies does John Carpenter do? <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, none. And, like, uh, that's the only one. But They Live at number four. I love They Live. I love the late Rowdy Roddy Piper, but it's not <laughs> a number four movie out of the list of John Carpenter's. Uh, and... And Starman, I mean, you know, I, for me, that was kind of a snoozer. You yeah, know what I it, mean? It's a big pass. It's a big pass. All I've right. seen it a couple of times, but not, uh, you know, not one I'll go back to on a regular basis. Number three. Mm-hmm. Escape from New York. Huh. I think that that is apt for where it's at. I think so, too. I mean, you know, the the first, uh, first introduction of Snake Plissken... It was a strong sort of. It was it was a strong action movie. Uh, always a good watch. Good popcorn flick. Right. I could see that being at number three. Number two, Halloween. Yeah, I, I would have thought that would have been number one. Yeah. But okay. Uh, number yeah. one is Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Really? Really? Huh. I mean, I would put the original Halloween over Assault on Precinct 13. Assault on Precinct 13 is living on cult status, right? Right. I mean, Halloween has legs. Like, it's been a horror movie like that people have gone back to year after year. I still know people who, every Halloween, they run a Halloween movie <laughs> marathon, and that first, that first one is the first one they go to. And don't get me wrong. I get with Assault how it's one of the earlier films to sort of blend genres. Right. But still, eh, I don't know. Escape from New York, arguably better than Assault. But yeah, John Carpenter, man. Let's just talk about Prince of Darkness being in the bottom half. <laughs> yeah, I, or uh, or In the Mouth of Madness. I still watch In the Mouth of Madness like twice a year. 
Now, Prince of Darkness, pretty terrible movie, but it's a great, terrible movie. And, right. And remember, Donald Pleasance. So, uh, <laughs> right. Your love for Donald Pleasance <laughs> should, you know, for you drives that movie up higher than uh, than uh, where it is. It sure. does. It does. But you know what? Lists are lists are what they are. They're lists. They're lists. And All we right. do love tearing them apart. Well, what else are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. You got a segment for us. Go ahead. I do. Tell the world what you need us to do. Okay. Well, I mean, it's fairly straightforward. You know, Memorial Day was this past week. And as Ryan said, we have nothing but respect for the people who serve our country. But there are a ton of fictional militaries out there that we've seen in books, movies, video games. So... Uh, I want you to pick your best and your worst, but not the way you'd think. I don't want you to pick who you think would win in a fight. I don't want you to pick who you think is the strongest. What would be the best one for you to be in and the worst one for you to be in for Ugh. a fictional military unit? This is so hard for me because I am decisively not that guy, right? Right, right. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a military guy either, but I think that I can, uh, you know, I think that I can sort of put myself in where I prefer to be. All right. Well, I, I can tell you a very general where I wouldn't be, right? Sure. And where I wouldn't be, and this this might not be what you're expecting, but there is a particular film with a particular military unit that really struck a chord with me because of how raw and numb the members of that unit were to not only the setting, but each other and their own humanity. And when I tell you what movie and what unit this is, you're going to be like, how did you pull that from that? Because it, it, it's not what people would think is a deep philosophical um military moment but for me it, it really it really struck a chord and the the unit is the the marines from starship troopers oh my god that's mobile infantry yes mobile infantry from starship troopers is also my pick but for a totally different reason well that's where i couldn't be right yeah no no my pick for where i wouldn't want to be unit least likely to serve was mobile infantry for Starship Troopers. Okay, so y you tell me your reason, and I'll explain a little more. Just Well, I did, right? Right. The, the scene that sticks out for me, you remember the shower scene, right? Who doesn't, right? right? Sure, absolutely. And it was gratuitous nudity in a sci-fi movie. Everybody remembers Gratuitous that. nudity in a sci-fi movie that was there and really highlighted the numbing nature of the work that they had to do, right? They didn't give a shit about the gratuitous nudity. They didn't mm -hmm. give a shit about their duties. They didn't give a shit about their likely face-to-face -face meeting with their maker soon. It was just cogs in motion. Right. And I, mean, I think cogs it was with plans to be more, but essentially just cogs in the machine but the the foreshadowing was all there about how most of them and their plans to be more were never going to happen and that particular scene that particular unit just it 
it hit me. It was weird. Now I'm not going to say, oh, I was crying. No, Ryan doesn't do no. that. I'm a sociopath. I don't have those emotions. But it, it really struck a chord and, and I guess, deeply touched me. Uh, why why mobile infantry not for you? Um, there, There's a couple of reasons. One, you know, uh, they're the boots on the ground meat grinder type, throwing them into the meat grinder type of guy is not a situation that I could see myself adapting to well to start with. But in particular for mobile infantry, it's because they're used almost as an experiment by military intelligence. They, they're like, Oh, you'll be fine. Drop them on the planet. Half of them die. Half of them wind up in the regeneration tanks. You know, there's, they, they use them to, to sort of gauge the enemy's response, almost like test subjects. And, uh, you know, being in a unit full of lab rats is, you know, nowhere that I would want to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where do you want to be, Bert, if you had to pick? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the cliche one is G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe? I, I, I didn't yeah. even go there. No, I, I hear you. Uh, fucking every, ass, every, Sergeant Slaughter. Right. Every character is unique. You know, since the you know since Hasbro got all the uh, feedback, was it Hasbro? Got all the blowback from the death of Optimus Prime. Nobody in G.I. Joe ever dies. The worst that'll happen is you'll get shot and go into a coma. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I don't even know... The, the the one that's sticking out for me, and it's ironic because it is also a cartoon. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I don't know if it counts because they're sort of paramilitary, right? It, it's it's not – I guess G.I. Joe is paramilitary too, right? Right. Yeah, I mean they're, they're a paramilitary organization, I suppose. But they're, they're definitely paramilitary military. Mine is definitely paramilitary. Right. <laughs> And and that would be the Mobile Armored Strike Command mask. <laughs> you just want the gadgets, don't you? I just want the mask, and I just want the car. Who am I kidding? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what? You want to be Tracker? <sighs> well, you know. You want, the, you want the flying sports car. Matt Tracker didn't have a bad life. Ambiguous multimillionaire. Doesn't <laughs> right? really work. Right. Builds all of this cool shit and commands a team of special forces agents that can never seem to capture one man, which means really Miles Mayhem has Matt Stryker on the take. <laughs> and it's and it's it, it's all all a big scam. Like they put on a really good show so that oh oh no Venom got away again. We'll have to go after them again, but I'm going to need more funding. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought you would go there. I didn't think of mask at all. Like, what next? You want to be uh, you want to be the black lion from Voltron? <laughs> Voltron's not military, though. They're definitely. Uh, that, yeah, they're like teenagers or kids <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so. Uh, Lion Force or Vehicle Force? Uh, for me, it was always Lion Force. As a kid, it was always Lion Force. But if you go back and watch it, you'll probably appreciate Vehicle Force more now as an adult. I, I haven't seen it in years. So, I'll, I mean, I'd, I'd have to go back and take a look at it. Oh, 
That's lots of stuff that you should go back and take a look at. All right. Boy, am now, I going to get we, shit for Mask, let me tell you. I'm going to get on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get shit for G.I. Joe. I mean, <laughs> the, you know, you, you picked it because nobody ever dies. Well, I don't want to die. Well, well yeah. In Mask, people die. That's that, that at least, at least I got that going for me. But man, <laughs> I, I do not want to log on to the Twitter. <laughs> Oh, and and man, see yeah, the yeah. shit that I'm going to get. But you know who's not going to give me shit? Our Checkmark Hero. Our Checkmark Hero is not going to give me shit. And our Checkmark Hero for the month of June is the one, the only, the Matt Barniger. Um, Matt is an incredible friend of the show. Supported us since almost day one. And yeah, I mean, he's back again as our checkmark hero. He's been our checkmark hero before. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, because uh, last month we had... Doc Jones. Right. We, last month we had Doc Jones, and Doc Jones and Matt, within the seconds of each other, both sponsored two months of checkmark hero. So for the next... Well, I guess three months, we had Doc, then we're going to have Matt, then we're going to have Doc again, then we're going to have Matt again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, spectacular, spectacular friend of the show and great takes. Uh, absolutely give him a follow. It's Matt underscore Barninger, B-A-R-N-I-N-G-E-R on the Twitter machine. Uh, you know, and, and it's amazing, Bert. You know, we don't always agree in lockstep with each other, but we're still no, we don't. great online friends. And Matt's an amazing, amazing perspective. Definitely give him a follow. He gave us eight bucks, and he's our... Checkmark Hero. You, too, can be the Checkmark Hero. Uh, Go to nerdcognito.com. Click on Be a Checkmark Hero at the top of the page. And uh, give us eight bucks. It's that easy. (laughs) But you heard you're probably got a few months to wait before your your turn in the barrel comes around. So... (laughs) Uh, I don't have anything else this Memorial Day week. Do you, my friend? No, no. I mean, uh, maybe a final thank you to the servicemen and women who are protecting us out there today. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, The ones that are both active and that are home, and especially the ones that didn't come home. Uh, We don't want to forget why we had that long weekend before, too. And I think a lot of people sometimes do forget that. So... Um, let's take a moment and, and just think about all of the things that those men and women do for us. When you're done having your private moment, make sure that you go to the podcast provider of your choice. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you tell your friends. Make sure you do all the things. And, again, make sure that you go to NerdCognito on Twitter, at NerdCognito. Follow Twitter, subscribe to the show, and find the promotional post because it is our summer of giveaways. We want to give you cool shit. So that is all we have for you. I want to thank you for tuning in. My name is Ryan David. I was joined, of course, by Bert, and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody.